welcome to Underlying Frequencies. I'm your host, Maya Giselle Savidra, and today I have um, Spectrum as a guest. Spectrum is an LGBTQ plus group on campus, and we're going to be talking today about um, gay representation in the media, and then we're going to have another episode where we talk about trans representation in the media as well. Um, I'm Adrian. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm the president of Spectrum. Um, I've been on eBoard for about three years. Yeah, and my name is Julia. I use she, her pronouns. I am the secretary for Spectrum, and this is my second year on eBoard. We have multiple missions, I guess, or multiple objectives. Um, on one hand, we're a more social organization. We like to bring a sense of solidarity to um, LGBT people on campus, and also that includes allies, you know, who want to support um, LGBT people and make them feel like they're included on campus and like they're supported on campus. We like to be more educational and um, bring awareness to various different topics about within the LGBT community uh, that people aren't so aware of, specifically this semester. Uh, we focus a little bit more on activism and um, educating people about just activist terminology. Hmm. And um, Can you explain a little bit more about what activist language would mean? Actually, I'm going to give that one to Julia because I feel like Julia okay. uh, <laughs> Yeah, so when we talk about like activism, um, it may seem odd that like an LGBTQ plus organization is like teaching activism, um, but there's still a lot of things to learn if you hold a marginalized identities. Activist language and like activism in general, knowing the terms and like how to address things if you don't hold certain identities. Hmm. Um, so like last week we did a presentation on uh, white entitlement and uh, or white privilege and intersectionality in the LGBTQ plus community how like white privilege plays into it and how even though we are oppressed as lgbtq plus people if you're white you still hold a certain level of privilege and that is important to understand and know um and so that's sort of what we do with like our activism uh educational sort of things and mm -hmm. if i misspoke adrian please correct <laughs> me but no that's 100 that's 100 correct uh that's perfect and also um we also do try to educate allies um, because, again, we are open to allies. Um, and um, there still are instances of oppression that um, just any LGBT people, race notwithstanding, face on campus. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if this was last year, if it was the year before, uh, but there was the issue with, I believe it was transphobic slurs being written on whiteboards oh, um, no. in front of people's doors. Issues such as that, we um, would like allies to know how to navigate those sort of issues. Um, and understand the problems with them. Um, so that's so that as well. Well, today we're going to be talking about specifically gay and bisexual and um, asexual representation in media. Um, and so you mentioned intersectionality, which is very interesting because I'd actually kind of like to, I have a question about that already. On TV, um, we don't really see very many black and gay characters, like not with two identities in the same. And so... I guess I would just like to ask you, why do you guys think maybe that's not something that we see on TV very much right now? There's this common narrative of what it means to be LGBTQ plus. Hmm. And this narrative sort of comes from conventionally attractive people and that they have good style and all of this. And so like something we touched on last week in our presentation was how like, 
specifically straight girls tokenize their gay best friend and it's Mm. usually like a white gay guy um and there's countless hosts who are either gay or lesbian who are white and they're they own their own show their own production stuff like that um but racial discrimination is still very prevalent and very heavy um and so when you have those intersecting identities it becomes very hard for those to be represented it becomes very hard to like have access to those uh opportunities and make those advancements so that's sort of my thinking as to why we don't see a lot of like intersectional representation in media there are there are also quite a few reasons um that i can at least tell um one is is related to how hard it is for a lot of producers and writers and directors Mm. to actually get lgbt representation in their media um this is more from the perspective of someone who's really into animation Mm. um i don't tend to watch very many live action things because i'm very disappointed with a lot of the representation (laughs) in live action things (laughs) um and so i tend to go to animation for that because um i've noticed that animators are able to get away with a little bit more Mm. um in regards to lgbt representation um but still they talk about you know how hard it is to get um, studios, you know, these, these studios to um, give them the okay on LGBT representation. Um, and there's still this this stigma, this idea that um, like, okay, yeah, sure, gay people exist, but like um, a gay Jewish black woman, <laughs> like she can't exist. That's not a real thing. And it's like, yes, it is. These, these are real people that exist and would like to see themselves represented. But studios have a hard time accepting that or they just don't want to have that kind of representation shown because it doesn't represent the majority. And so that's a big thing. Um, and then also similar to what Julia was touching on, um, and this is more, I feel like, in regards to in, in, in regards to live action uh, media, such as movies and, tele- and mm-hmm. like television shows. Yeah, there's that idea of what people want gay people to look like, which is like the conventionally attractive white person. But also, I feel like writers are so much more comfortable with writing about like a gay guy um, who comes out to his family and like might go through some like mild hardships, but is accepted um, because it's a very, it's a very, it's a very white narrative. Hmm. And we can see it in things like Love, Simon, for instance, where you have this, you know, this white gay guy who um, comes out to his family and his family's very liberal and they accept him um and he's bullied at school for a little bit but then like he has this like you know cheesy romantic ending um and like that's perfectly fine you know it's a, it's a fine movie um and i'm sure there are people that can relate to that experience but a lot of people can't and right. i feel like um, a lot of writers would rather just go the easy route and write a narrative that they are familiar with like maybe they knew someone in high school who had a similar experience um or can easily um find those experiences where it takes a, whereas it takes a lot more effort to go out and seek the narrative of like a person of color who might have a very nuanced and interesting experience with coming out and being LGBT in high school, for instance, and writers aren't willing to put the work in right. um, to tell that story. I think you bring up a really good point because like like Love, Simon, is just like one story, one example of something that could happen. And um, I just kind of made the connection. <laughs> okay, so Pose is a show on FX. And what's really interesting about Pose is it highlights mostly black people who are in the LGBTQ plus community. And it takes place in the 80s. Um, and so one of the main characters, he's um, black and gay and his family finds out and he's kicked out and they explore him how he was like homeless and how he had to um, navigate through that, which I think is an experience that hasn't really been told before. So I guess that's one show I can think of with intersectionality in mind, but other than that, I, I guess I can't really. <laughs> and 
I was just talking about this the other night with my boyfriend. Um, Love, Simon is like one of the first like LGBTQ plus movies mm-hmm. that I've seen where it doesn't end in tragedy. Mm-hmm. And like that's something that I don't think a lot of like straight people think about because like they watch movies like Moonlight or Holding the Man or like any of those. I don't know if anybody's watched Holding the Man, but I did and I cried. <laughs> um, and like they're all so sad. They're mm. really sad. And it just like hi and like it's good to highlight the struggles that LGBTQ plus people face. Um, but like bringing in those other identities and like understanding that not every story is like that is something that isn't focused on a lot. Um, so that's just like another thing to think about. Right. That, that You make a very good point as well. Yeah, because we deserve to celebrate things as well. <laughs> um, I guess while we're still on the topic of intersectionality, you both spoke about how there's kind of a disconnect between the straight black community and the gay white community. Where do you kind of see the disconnect happening? Why do you think the disconnect exists? And where do you think we can get the disconnect to kind of disappear? Do you want to think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess from my understanding of the question, um, at least in the Midwest and especially Michigan, like I grew up in northern Michigan. So a lot of things that we know about marginalized identities are just stereotypes mm-hmm. because they aren't represented in our communities. And so when you have systems in place that perpetrate these stereotypes and these narratives of how each identity interacts, um, it forms this disconnect and it shows um, that there's like a separate way that like black people act and there's a separate way that gay people act Mm -hmm. just to widen that divide, which is extremely harmful and most decent people don't. (laughs) That's sort of like where my mind goes with it. I mean, I do think that just in general, it's mostly important to to push for represent representation of LGBT people of color, um, and specifically hiring actual like living LGBT people of color, mm-hmm. um, specifically um, Black people, to tell their own stories, <laughs> to tell their own stories, um, and represent them in all kinds of media, so that there isn't this weird idea that being queer means being white right um because that's very false and in a lot of ways um a lot of oppression that uh queer people face um in the modern day is because of colonization mm-hmm. um lots of uh lots of civilizations and <laughs> cultures uh before colonization where had um acceptance of lgbt people um i can think of native american cultures uh, that had you know identities that don't fit in the binary way of looking at um, gender and sexuality uh, that exists nowadays, but that was all wiped out by colonization. And then nowadays, you know, you oftentimes have, you know, this backwards mindset that the Amer- that, that America is the most progressive in regards to, you know, um, LGBT rights, and it's because of, you know, white legislation pressing that when that's, that's, that's a false narrative. Right. Um, and I feel like trying to tell um, stories from different perspectives would really help. I think of like the movie Moonlight and I think of my own family because I um, am mixed. My dad is black and Hispanic and members of my own family. I know are just very homophobic and they can't really understand. Like when I try to say to them, this is a real issue that people face. Like this is they are being oppressed just like you've been oppressed as a black person. They kind of don't really understand that it's the exact same thing. <laughs> or to add in here. 
it's really interesting watching those intersections happen of like having a marginalized identity and Mm -hmm. then also like standing with the side of the oppressor towards somebody else right um i see it in my own family i have native heritage on both sides of my family but nobody wants to claim it because of the racism Mm -hmm. um i think this is a common experience people have where they're raised to like not treat people differently based on how they look or being gay is okay and then I was taught that, and as soon as I came out, my mom was like, <laughs> don't worry, it's a phase. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah, no. totally. And so we see these narratives, and then they are continued through media um, subconsciously and, like, subliminally. <laughs> and so that just sort of feeds into it, too. So. so gay people that are represented in media, they often play... Um, like you said, kind of the gay best friend, they play a certain kind of stereotype and they have certain, I guess, characteristics, stereotypes, characteristics that um, writers like to write about them. So I often find that when gay people are represented in TV shows and movies, they're often like the butt of the joke. They're like, they're, if they're kind of um, more feminine, that's like something that's made fun of a lot. Or if they're, if um, it's a woman who's um, more masculine, that's something that's made fun of. Um, so I guess how does this hinder the movement of like gay acceptance and how does it really, um, I mean, I guess it's kind of obvious, but <laughs> um, could you explain maybe a little bit more about how it really just like, it really pushes back like the progress of, of uh, gay rights? I'd actually kind of like to take that and explain a little bit. Yeah, because what you said is exactly correct. Oftentimes in um, media, usually media that's written by cis, straight, white people, mm-hmm. um, gay characters are tokenized. They're just included. You know, so you can have that representation label. And like you said, yeah, if it's like a, if usually there's like that whole stereotype of like the feminine gay best friend who's right. white and is feminine. And he's usually like always making like sexual innuendo and is the butt of every joke. And um, again, I'm not very familiar with media in which lesbians are portrayed in a way that isn't sexualized, like in mm. like the um, in the fetishization way. But like I can see that happening. So kind of going off on that, my biggest problem with how LGBT people, specifically like you know gay people, are always shown in um, a lot of like you know traditional TV shows and stuff like that um, that are written by you know cishet white people is that their entire character is boiled down to basically just them having sex Hmm. um like gay gay people in these shows are never allowed to have their own romances and if they are they're killed off right away this is one of the few live action things i've watched um and it was terrible (laughs) but um my mind comes to um sabrina the teenage witch or whatever the the reboot or whatever on netflix and i'm trying to remember his name um i can't remember his name um the cousin um Huh? Was it her cousin? I watched it for a little yes. bit. Yeah, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, yeah, her cousin. I don't remember his name, but it was established that he was bi or pan. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first season, he ends up, like, getting a boyfriend. But then, like, as soon as they, they like, basically, like, you know, have him come out or at least have him, you know, be established as bi, there's, like, a bunch of, like, jokes about him having orgies. You see him having an orgy with, like, him and his boyfriend and a bunch of other, like, students at the school, which was really weird. Mm. Um, Because they they took out the role of teachers at some point later on. So I was like, okay, that's disturbing. Um, (laughs) um, And then, like... I think it's in either the first season or the second season 
his boyfriend dies and later on they have him have some like torrid affair with one of the students which again is weird because like he ends up teaching later mm. i don't know it was just weird and that's, <laughs> it was one of the, like it just reaffirmed me um in my whole like okay I, i'm done watching live action things now i tried one thing <laughs> I'm done now, bye. <laughs> um because his character is taken slightly more seriously than the average um like lgbt representation you normally see in these types of shows um and it was still just awful the characters are boiled down to you know yeah just how funny they are how many affairs they have um how much sex they have um, they're never allowed to have a fulfilling romance. Um, you can never get like the like the cheesy rom com vibes mm. without all of the thoughts of oppression and you know um, isolation and coming out. Just like the focus on hookup culture, you can't have just a cheesy love story um, when it comes to gay characters in these shows. It's, just, it's, just, it's disappointing. You know, that's, that's what I want to see, and it's not existent basically. Yeah. You want to see Hallmark movies with gay characters. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, oh, sorry. I forgot the question about, like, you know, how it hinders progress. I guess it's just that a lot of times straight people in real life automatically associate sexuality or at least just, like, you know, you're having, having a romantic preference with sex. Hmm. Um, and so when people try to push for just, like, you know, LGBT inclusion in schools and in kids shows and in all these different, you know, spaces uh, so that kids can have positive role models. There's always this response of, but that's, that's sexual, but that's, that's gross. That's, mm. you know, and, and it's, it's because of how, you know, you, if you're an adult and you turn on the television and you watch a sitcom or whatever, um, the gay character is just <laughs> constantly making sex jokes, hooking up. And it, it makes, it makes straight people think that gay people in real life are only sex. Right. And not just people who happen to want to, you know, kiss or marry um, or whatever the case may be, other people of similar genders. I definitely agree with everything Adrian just said. And like you see it in examples time and time again um, in media. It's been like a year since I've watched Lucifer, but I may, may, I don't know, yes. like Lucifer's sidekick basically. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But <laughs> I believe like she is portrayed as bisexual and that is like one of the first times i've seen it's one of the like healthier portrayals of bisexuality i've seen but mm -hmm. it still has this narrative of like well she's a demon from hell <laughs> so being gay is bad because she's from hell right but it's not like she came from hell like it's not like she went to hell because she was bi there's this one tv show and i cannot remember the name but it's about succubus i think hmm. or something like that and it just feeds into the narrative of like fetishizing and sexualizing um bisexuality and like feeding into those narratives right and like watching that interaction happen as well and then i also think about glee and how kurt and blaine like two different portrayals of like the gay character but like Kurt, like I don't think I have to talk much about that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's just everywhere that like all of these stereotypical messages are fed and portrayed by mostly white characters. Mm -hmm. um, it just sucks, and it's really harmful to like grow up and not see like my feelings or anybody else's feelings represented and like being confused because it's like, like well that's not how i think that's not how right. i feel is this how i'm supposed to act mm. and so it's very harmful i would say 
um, seeing all these stereotypes portrayed. And I'm, I'm really glad you both said this because you both kind of touched on how, um, especially bisexual women are represented in media as just like overly sexual and they're like it's like a weird like fantasy type thing for like a lot of tv shows and so maybe if you could just both talk a little bit more about that just in general whatever your thoughts are about that it's just especially painful because i tend i'm not asexual but i tend to be someone who's you know my 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 sexuality i guess and Hmm. um it's really just I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Um, <laughs> it's um, there are so many stories um, about like just your average person who is you know struggling with a personal roadblock in life. You know whether it be like oh you know someone trying to find a job or someone you know who has a dream but like you know, there's a bunch of roadblocks to pursuing it or really you know really um a loving family um these are like common tropes in like it's like that hallmark movie type mm-hmm. you know story their whole identity isn't based around like them wanting to find love sometimes you know it's just like they have like you know usually these characters have their own dreams mm. and aspirations um and they'll have stories about you know achieving those dreams and aspirations um with you know alongside someone they love and care about right. um but these are always heterosexual narratives and like it's just painful because i want nothing more than to see that kind of story in you know in tv shows in movies um but just with a gay couple it's impossible to find that also one way that it's uh also really harmful to i guess just almost like the the, the industry itself uh the whole over sexualization that whole fantasy that whole like the fantasy bisexuality mm-hmm. and stuff like that is that when you have characters like express attraction towards other characters of like you know similar genders um and are like you know implied or just basically meant to be interpreted as gay but it's not like the character being like i have sex with so many people (laughs) um like you'll have people denying that that's what's happening on screen because it's just like this character has like realistic aspirations (laughs) and you know it's just an average person who like has a crush on like their best friend or something what do you mean this character's gay? That can't be. All they did was like uh, express having a crush on this other character, and they like held hands and blushed and acted <laughs> really like you know very clearly that there was like romantic attraction there. But like that's all that happened. There there was no like sexual innuendo or right. like orgy scene. What do you mean? And it's like, yeah, that's almost like how it's how it's like people are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just odd. <laughs> As a bisexual who has had many encounters of biphobia and homophobia. Mm. I've been called every name that people call bi women, um, and it's really hurtful. And then you see it portrayed in a not harmful way on media. So, like having the bi girl in a movie or a show, like agree to a threesome, and then having that implanted into straight men's brains specifically um and and me being asked more times than i can count if i would want to have a threesome (laughs) with them um and like i'm very confident in my sexuality and like no that is not something to ask unless we are in an established relationship that is not something you ask Mm -hmm. and so that's the thing that i think these narratives really feed into is it sort of takes away the like human aspect of being gay right um, and dehumanizes us 
into just these sexual beings and feeds into those narratives and that's a very broad and general like assumption and so I don't mean to like talk for everybody mm-hmm. but that's just how I feel specifically I was just gonna say I was gonna say yeah that's absolutely you know on the mark um and also I mean just going off of that there's such a big problem with women being portrayed as sexual objects mm. in media in general and obviously this reflects in real life um women are frequently treated like sexual objects regardless of sexuality um and I think that um in recent years it's become less it's become less acceptable to just portray straight women as sexual objects you know there's this whole that was, I'm not gonna get into this but there's a whole concept of like all you know uh female characters in media now have to be like girl bosses or whatever <laughs> that you know uh are like you know will make fun of the patriarchy or something on screen mm-hmm. and that makes and that automatically makes the media woke you know and it's it gets a thumbs up but that's <laughs> Um, that's these are always straight women who are like superheroes or whatever it's almost weird because it feels like writers have found a caveat with bisexual characters in media where they can just do the same thing they were doing to straight Mm. women in media before and do it with bi characters and then again try to portray this woke because it's like oh she's sexually liberated and it's it's how real people behave like real people don't base their entire lives around sex I mean if if you do then that's great and good for you but like (laughs) that's not representative of the general population or like any of the majority and it's probably not very healthy either right so yeah yes you hit on something this is going to yeah, be another no. episode but <laughs> about how uh like the tough woman is portrayed in media that's like a whole thing i've been trying to say to people and like you don't get it like why does the tough woman character have to be like well i was raised in a family of all boys that's why i'm tough i'm like well that's stupid <laughs> that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life we're getting a little bit on a tangent, but <laughs> yes, I, I like that you said that. And I very much appreciate it. Uh, what were you going to say, Julie? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know if y'all have, I think it's on Prime, mm-hmm. um, but The Boys is mm-hmm. a show, season two just finished, and I've been watching it on and off whenever my boyfriend watches it. And one of the superheroes, bisexual? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> he always watches it like, doing homework or something but like she had a partner and it was a very healthy relationship until it turned unhealthy for like good reason because it like she had information that could overthrow the entire country (laughs) um, and didn't share it with the public um and so (laughs) and so that's like one of the things that like it was really cool and then broke up and she went to like a very relatable experience to me specifically but like it was one of the better portrayals of like gay characters in media Mm -hmm. so highly recommend watching the boys it's really good this is a little bit unrelated to what we've been talking about but i guess um something that comes to mind i remember when i was younger kristen stewart was really big because she just finished twilight and all that stuff and there was something about people in like newspapers magazines and like all those gossipy magazines they were like really giving her a hard time and they're like what is your sexuality like because she'd been with like other people and i remember kristen stewart was like well that's kind of none of your business i'm not going to tell you and i guess what i guess where do you think the fascination with like people's sexuality in media especially comes from (laughs) okay um i feel like it honestly looks back to what we were talking about um with the whole like bisexual like fascination thing or whatever people can't help but feel entitled to celebrities for some reason Mm. 
Um, even though they have zero chance of ever being with <laughs> Like, I don't care who you are. Like, you're not going to be with Kristen Stewart. We don't um, know that. But... I might need her one day. <laughs> she might come <laughs> okay, to Michigan, Mount Pleasant, down. Central Michigan University. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, people feel entitled to these celebrities. And so I think they want to know, like, basically, are you available? Um, like, if she were to come out and just be like, oh, I'm bisexual, you'd have the raging homophobes just be like, that's <laughs> disgusting. But then you'd have, you know, the um, less less raging homophobes um, <laughs> who tend to fetishize um, bisexual women and the like, just find that hot, find that attractive or something. And it would, you know, make all the tabloids and just be, you know, all the rage. Mm. Um, but if she were to say like, oh, I'm a lesbian or something, then again, you'd have all of these homophobes being mm. really upset, at least, you know, specifically, um, well, just in general, you know, especially in regards to men, um, because that automatically takes her off the table, which is a bizarre way of thinking about celebrities because mm. they're just people who have careers in like whatever it might be in her case acting that whole mindset of just being entitled to to people is so weird um and there very much is that like you know that that heteronormative idea of you know oh this person is a woman so automatically she would be willing to date me you know or would be <laughs> just yeah would just be um on the table mm-hmm. um and so when there's ever any when there's, when there's whenever there's anything um, that takes that person off the table, like if they, you know, are, if there's any sign that they're asexual or lesbian, um, or whatever the case may be, or sometimes even just a feminist, um, <laughs> it's just repulsive, uh, to these people, and it's, it's, it's bizarre, it's, yeah, and like sort of going off that, like, we have this weird sense of entitlement to celebrities' lives, and then when it's also related to something that is marginalized, people feel entitled to know a if it isn't the same as theirs. Like, I I haven't had much experience of this because a majority of my friends are a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. But like, when I mention my sexuality or I mention something that, that they don't have a similar experience for, it may come from good intentions of just like wanting to know mm-hmm. because they are interested in my life. But it still is like, I don't owe people anything. And so when you have news reporters getting in celebrity spaces of, and trying to invade in their private, private lives um, of like their sexuality, it's because they are going against the norm mm. and it's not something that is talked about. And so especially back when we were kids and Twilight was huge, gay marriage, what, or say, or say, blah, 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 marriage equality wasn't a thing right. yet, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 2015 yeah mm-hmm. and so already you have something that is so polarized and stigmatized that if the, if some journalist could get a scoop on this you are stuck because you just got a breaking story on somebody who just completed a, a hit movie like right. that's where it comes from is this entitlement to not only celebrities lives but the stories of people who differ from dominant groups mm. I like how you um, kind of compared um, the average uh, nosy person to a reporter. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, because, yeah, some people are, they're really, they're sticking their nose in places their nose shouldn't be. 
So Tyler, the creator, as I'm sure you know, um, he's a little bit controversial. So Tyler, the creator, is bisexual, as um, he recently came out. Well, not recently, a couple years ago now. But in the past, when he was um, kind of a newer artist, he has some homophobic lines um, talking, like using the F slur um, and just other, you know, homophobic things. I mean, I know that um, often like a lot of uh, gay people, especially gay men, they kind of feel like they have to be homophobic to kind of hide their homosexuality. But I guess it in uh, both of your opinions, like, should his music now still be like celebrated? Should his music from the past kind of be like um, erased or ha- like canceled, you know, or like, I guess, how do how do we go forward with um, an artist who is like this and pro- probably for artists in the future who may come out um, as well? I'm super familiar with the situation because mm, okay. um, I personally haven't listened to much of Tyler the Creator's music. Okay. Um, and I actually wasn't aware of all of that. Oh. <laughs> um, but hearing what you said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I see out of the loop most of the time. <laughs> but hearing what you said, um, obviously I don't think people should listen to his old music or like celebrate his old music that mm-hmm. have like the homophobic comments and slurs. But I mean, at the same time, people change. Um, like, I am non-binary and I know for a fact that when I was in my early years of high school, I saw like non-binary people just existing on the internet talking about like their identity and just having like those thoughts of like, well, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) There are two sexes. There's male and female. You can't be in between. (laughs) Um, And then like, you know, I got educated, you know, Mm -hmm. I grew up and, you know, learned about, you know, all different kinds of things um, that even sex isn't uh, binary. Everyone has bigoted opinions at some point. We, we live in a society um, and we're bound to be influenced um, by negative opinions at some point. Obviously, there's, you know, fault there, but I don't mm. think there's anything um, that, like, someone should be canceled or something mm-hmm. for um, having been bigoted in the past, bigoted in the past, but then, you know, making a very clear, you know, change from that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's important is that you're not echoing um, those beliefs in the present um, and that you're just, yeah, being um, a facilitator of change. Because if anything, you know, you might have someone who resonated with his past music Mm. um, and then, you know, heard of him coming out um, and has seen, you know, positive change for the better and be motivated to also change for the better. Um, It's really important that I think people see stories like that and are aware of their existence. Um, You shouldn't try to, like, erase someone's past um, Mm. because it can be meaningful to both that person and other people. Not me talking smack about stereotypes and then immediately filling those stereotypes of being a bisexual who listens to Tyler the Creator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not like a major Tyler fan. There's a few songs I really like Mm -hmm. and it's from his like newer albums. Right. Um and so I didn't start listening to Tyler until my junior year of high school. Senior year? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like two, three years ago. Um and so I didn't even know about his like older music and things that he said because I just never went back through his stuff right um but like I'm not innocent like I'm not gonna pretend I never messed up in my life Mm -hmm. um like used to use the Essler before I like realized I had a bunch of internalized homophobia and all of these things um and before I accepted my sexuality what people fail to realize with celebrities and i'm not saying cancel cancel culture is evil or like right Mm -hmm. is definitely important um but what people fail to realize is they are still people and so the fact that 
he had to internalize homophobia and unlearn all of that in order to accept himself um and like canceling his old music sure do that boycott all of his old albums but like his newer music where he's like finally like what adrian was saying Mm -hmm. where he's like finally not doing that anymore like seems not problematic to me right right like it's really hard to understand that and like a lot of people are like oh well you said the f slur in like 2005 I don't know right and like that's 15 years of learning that you've done Mm -hmm. um sure people may not change people may change but based on content that's being put out now that's sort of what you should judge on and Mm -hmm. like see that progression and see those that learning happen on a timeline right right and um I just I just think I mean, I don't, I hate to say this is like with um, everybody or even like a lot of people because I'm sure it's just a very small minority of people who do do this. But I just, I really, really hate when something is actually an issue and then people pretend that something that's not an issue is part of that issue because it just negates everything positive about what's, what's actually being said. So like, this is not a real issue. But of course, there's people out there and they're like, Charlie Creator, canceled, done. He's over with, you know? Some people are like that. And I mean, it's not even just with this, it's with everything. And I just, I think it's very important for us to kind of be able to realize this is what's actually real and important and we should actually be mad about this. And this is something not really anybody should be mad about, you know? So yeah, that's a very good point that you brought up. If people listen to Brockhampton, they know Kevin Abstract is gay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to kick Amir Van out because he had sexual assault charges. Um, wow. And so they did all that stuff um, and worked through it. And then in 2019, something was released that Kevin was still, like, friends with Amir or something like that. And people were ready to cancel Kevin immediately without, like, giving him a second because something got leaked Hmm. um and so like those sort of things happen all the time and people don't realize like don't be friends with predators don't do that (laughs) but like (laughs) but like you just don't know and so like people are just so ready to make a big deal out of things and i'm pretty sure it was talking about getting rights to like or something because they were going on tour that makes sense that's what it was so right that's I didn't know about the sexual assault stuff, but I did know that one of the members was gay because I just kind of heard about it before, but I didn't. That's crazy. But yes, it all it all meshes together. <laughs> this is a little bit unrelated to media, but I think media has a role to play in this, definitely. What do you say to people, either straight people or even members of uh, the LGBTQ plus community who say stuff like, quote, oh, I'm fine with gay people, but I don't like when they do blah 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 insert derogatory thing (laughs) um i guess what do you have to say about that what does it really mean to celebrate being gay i actually thought that was interesting most of the time that phrase is is used in a way to single out traits that are associated with being gay yeah so Mm -hmm. it'll be like oh i'm okay with you know again quote like Mm -hmm. i'm okay with uh, gay people, um, but I can't stand it when they like, hold hands in public or something. I don't want to see that. Like my kids will be exposed. Or something. <laughs> and in that sense, you're basically saying I'm okay with I'm okay with gay people, but I'm not okay with gay people. Oh, yeah. Um, like because that is a trait that is explicitly associated with being gay. If you're gay, you're going to be 
you know, attracted to people of, you know, similar genders. Mm. And so you're going to want to like do things that normal couples do with them in public, like hold hands or whatever. Um, I feel like there's also the weird element of sometimes you'll hear things like that that are said um, in sense of in the, in the context of weird stereotypes, right. um, like and quote like I'm okay with gay people except when they are um, very like openly queer and mm-hmm. I don't know go around wearing stuff like whatever I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that always comes from. Honestly, just I feel like that one always comes from a place of like, internalized shame um, hmm. for who you are. Um, and that doesn't even necessarily have to be like internalized homophobia. I notice that a lot of people tend to be very ashamed of just their personal interests and their personal like fashion choices and stuff. You know, those things are oftentimes said by these like, you know, uh, cis straight white people, you know, not to, not to stereotype, um, but, but who, you know, try very hard to fit into whatever is, you know, trendy whatever is you know socially acceptable Mm. um and so the idea of you know queer people acting or behaving or dressing in a way that isn't socially acceptable you know wearing you know clothes that are very queer coded listening to music that isn't mainstream and that might have to do with you know being queer or it's just i don't know just absurd music Mm. um that kind of thing it's seen as like cringy or um weird or whatever um just because it's so it's queer it's it's not mm. normal it's 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 odd um and that scares people and i feel like that is one of the big issues there um and you can really see that with this is this is i'm i'm bringing this up because um i'm going into psychology okay. um this is a big passion of mine um you also see this with neurodivergent people usually autistic kids mm. people will say things like you know and quote you know i'm okay with autistic with autistic kids except when they and then just like do something that you know oftentimes autistic kids do again those things are often like you know weird um like stimming or you know just having weird interests um those things are seen as odd it falls into that category of things that people aren't okay with i really do feel like the solution to that is just people in general looking into themselves and thinking about how much of their personality is built on a desire to like please others and Mm. society and so on and so forth um and i feel like when you do that and just sort of come to that realization that we're all human and that like you know if you do something that's that's odd that's queer that's abnormal or whatever it's fine no one's going (laughs) to no one's gonna gonna snipe you for that like we're all just human backtrack for like two seconds just because i realized i don't remember why like the things got leaked about kevin being involved with (laughs) and that she's been sitting on my brain and i had to say it okay Um, but if somebody like actually followed all of that after it happened just know i admit that i have no idea what happened they're gonna come after you your hashtag cancel it's too late (laughs) i'm gonna get canceled Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like with your question like I'm okay with gay people as long as they act like they do it behind closed doors. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That's right. what it feels like. Um, I'm okay with gay people as long as I don't have to see it, as long as I don't have to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's used as a way to perpetrate othering. Um, and so othering is where you take an identity that you don't hold, um, a marginalized identity, and you find everything negative that you can about that identity. And you use it to separate and create that power dimension of like, well, I'm straight, so I'm better than you because of this, 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 and this. Um, and so you have these power dynamics that happen. That's sort of where it comes into of like all of these ideas that Adrian brought in 
of just separating themselves and being like, well, I don't want to see it. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to change hmm. how I feel because of because of this. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So you should do everything you can to make me feel comfortable. Right. And that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it is. Yes, that concept of othering is exactly what I was trying to narrow down. And I guess um, if we're talking about like the current, I guess, social environment in 2020, it is becoming a lot less socially acceptable for people to be, like, for, for people to uh, perform that sort of othering um, mm-hmm. with LGBT people, especially with just like your typical, like, you know, gay or lesbian archetype, it's becoming a lot less acceptable. But it doesn't mean that the othering problem is going away. It just means that people are finding other traits to narrow down. So instead of it necessarily being, yeah, like LGBT people holding hands or something, it turns into weird intersections. So, you know, it turns into othering with, you know, in a racist way hmm. or in a way that targets, you know, like I said, you know, neurodivergent queer people. It's very common. You know, a lot of times people who are queer are also neurodivergent due to, you know, childhood trauma um, and things of that nature, like, you know, trans issues. I know there's this trend on TikTok of, like, uh, calling things sus or something when it's, like, people acting out of their gender roles. Yeah, um, it's just things of that nature. People aren't going to stop the othering anytime soon unless it gets addressed for what it is. It's just that people find little loopholes to work around it um, because it's not so acceptable to make fun of, like, I don't know, gay people existing. Um, and then you, you mentioned TikTok. I didn't know that was a thing. How do you think social media kind of plays into that as well then? I mean, exactly what Adrian was saying. Like with calling things sus or like saying people are acting sus because they're acting opposite or diverging from what their typical uh, gender expression, gender role, gender identity should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen a lot of things, uh, cis and painting their nails and the comments just flood with like toxic masculine dudes mm. uh saying sus 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 over and over i think a big thing that we're starting to talk about and like i know we talk about it in our meetings of like even cis people should put their pronouns in their bios like i have my pronouns in every single social media bio mm. that i have because like trans people have been targeted on social media by cis people who like see that there's pronouns in the bio and then dm them and just start harassing them in their bio and immediately something that they're trans and so if cis people start doing that you sort of take that power away right um and so that's just like a small step that you can do um also to add on to that um i feel like uh social media really enforces like that othering standard more than anything because and this is you know pretty personal uh for years i've had like private social media accounts that are not related to like my name and that i don't share with people that i know in real life and on those accounts like you know it's always been acceptable to have pronouns listed Hmm. talk about your sexuality talk about your gender um and to just sort of talk about things that are other you know things that are not socially acceptable but there's always that idea like there's that sort of you're forced to go into this mindset of, okay, this is where, this is who I am, like on this private profile. Mm -hmm. And then there's the me that I have to present around like uh, people I know in real life. Even if those people are LGBT, um, a lot of times, you know, in high school, for instance, you know, people that I knew 
uh, who were also LGBT, um, tried very hard to fit in with, you know, acceptable groups in high school. And even now, like, I have, like, an Instagram that, that I uh, share with people um, that I know um, in real life that is, you know, that I follow CMU accounts and so on and so forth. It's just kind of a place where I just post pictures every so often, and that's kind mm-hmm. of it, you know? Um, and to this day, like, I have my other accounts where I can go and actually be myself. Um, and it really just is because of um, how society is, you know? Even now, it wouldn't be acceptable for me to just, you know, be truly who I am mm. on a social media account linked to my real name. I, don't know, I feel like, yeah, social media just increases the divide more than anything. Because it's normal when you're in real life to just sort of like act differently in socially acceptable ways around different people. You know, obviously you're not going to act the same way around your boss as you are with your friends. Right. <laughs> when you have to have a literal divide between like, okay, here's what everyone who's friends with me in real life has to know me as. And here's what people, you know, random strangers on the internet that I can feel comfortable around know me as. It's, it's odd. And it, especially when those things are always directly linked to, you know, being queer, being neurodivergent, you know, having these identities that are marginalized. I have the privilege of, like, being cisgender and then also being in a straight-passing relationship. Mm. And so I've started trying to act the same way on social media as I do in real life and, like, vice versa. And so I'm using the privileges that I have in order to bridge those divides and, like, bring things from the community and like my identities that I hold onto my social media because I haven't made being gay my entire personality, but I've made like a lot of, I've accepted a lot of the parts of my marginalized identities that I used to be ashamed of and didn't want to talk about. Mm. I've accepted them and I've made peace and I've found communities where I feel comfortable sharing those things. And I finally feel comfortable and safe enough where I can share those on my social media. And one thing that I just remembered, like, my senior year of high school, my friend and I won Homecoming King and Queen, and he's gay, I'm bi, and it was very funny. <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny that it happened. And um, one of our friends came up to us and was like, I need a quote for, like, the yearbook Instagram page. Like, can you give me a quote? And my friend and I, we love gay queens. Our friend, he was like, yep, that's good. I'm putting that in. <laughs> And so he did, and he posted it, and a bunch of parents of students who attended my high school saw it and freaked out. <laughs> and they were like, I don't accept this. I don't want to see this. I am very disappointed. And so our yearbook like, staff had to change the Instagram name uh, so it didn't have our school's name in our wow. like handle. And so, like, because people were so mad about it. And so you see this and like it's a direct effect of like how social media can like you try to be accepting you try to be inclusive you try to do that but then you have people in real life that are like i saw this on social media and i don't like it so (laughs) it needs to change i guess for the first time it just kind of hit me like we think of social media as kind of an escape where you can live out like what you wish like people will always talk about like oh people post pictures of vacation but in real life they're not really like living the glamorous life but I guess I just kind of realized for people in the LGBTQ plus community social media is like a scary place for them where it can be actually dangerous and I mean um correct me if I'm wrong but I think 
um, over the summer because there were a couple incidents of like trans women who beat up in public and um, like and I think it was like organized on social media like they were like this is where they're at right now we're gonna go find them and I guess I just kind of connected the two together like social media is a really dangerous place sometimes and that's just I never even thought about that before so that's a very very good point oh just yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about though in regards to um the identity thing is like you have to have a separate like if, if you truly want to be like if, when it comes to if you're trans for instance you know especially mm-hmm. um especially if you're a trans person of color mm-hmm. um you really do have to have a private account to talk about your personal life that's completely like separate from your real name and like from like your university or your school or your job or whatever um so you can just be yourself um because yeah you can get targeted you can get tracked down um, and people will harass you ruthlessly um, for just you being yourself. And it is weird when you think about, yeah, like these, you know, cis-het white girls who can, like, construct fantasy versions of themselves on, like, Instagram or something like that. Yeah. And can just, you know, post these, like, fabricated details of their life and not even have a second thought about it. Think so many times about what I'm posting before I do so. Hmm. And that's just me trying to be my authentic self. Right. Um, it's it's so complicated. The amount of effort that it takes, it's exhausting. And it's like, you know, it's probably the same lever- level of effort that it takes these people to curate their fantasy selves online. For me, it's just like, I just want to make friends online. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do so, I want to yeah. make friends online or do I want to get hate crime? <laughs> <laughs> decisions, decisions. <laughs> Wow, that's how we deal with scary things with humor. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Like I've been out for a few years now and like it's not been a secret. I don't try to keep it a secret because when I try to keep it a secret, it blows up in my face. When I'm open about it, it blows up in my face. Mm. (laughs) And so I'm just like, whatever, if I'm not gonna be accepted for who I am, that's fine. Like I was getting into it with some kids in my school before spring break and like during spring break I posted like just a selfie of me and like a dumb caption of like a Billie Eilish lyric (laughs) and it was like all the good girls go to hell and because that was what I was listening to at the time and I was like yep this is good enough Mm -hmm. I don't care um and I got so many comments from like the guys that I was arguing with at my school of like so do the feminists uh and like it just started like this whole train of like a bunch of white dudes coming and harassing me online. <laughs> I was like, cool. And so I like sent the screenshots to my principal Ooh. and she didn't do anything. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so that was really cool too. Um, and it like wasn't related to my LGBTQ plus identity. It was related to me advocating for gender equality, hmm. which is really cool. And so now I've just accepted the fact that I'm probably going to get hold on, quote, hate comments. I don't act like I'm cool or popular but like I've like I've been in a very I've been in very bad positions on social media and Adrian has heard a lot of my stories that I could talk about Hmm. forever and I I share things for like Black Lives Matter I share things for like accepting trans people Mm -hmm. and LGBTQ plus people and like all of these social issues that I'm very passionate about and people just get so angry at me <laughs> using the privilege I have. Like I would rather it be me than somebody who would be at greater harm facing that. So um, so asexual representation in media. I don't see any characters on TV that are asexual, but there have been characters just in general, pretty much in 
I mean, if we if we think about TV shows we used to watch when we were like kids, there's always been characters that are just like not sexually interested, and we always just see them as like, oh, they just need to get over it. They just need a. It, it's always like a, a character in the show. They try to like help them out, quote unquote, help them out with like setting them up on a date or blah 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 blah. I guess how does this um, affect? those in the asexual community as far as them being actually seen as um a real sexuality <laughs> yeah um i think I, I already said this before i'm not i'm personally not asexual mm-hmm. um but um i can definitely um feel a lot of the frustration that asexual people must feel um because like i said i get so tired of seeing you know character after character after character um especially lgbt ones that are reduced to people that have lots of sex with lots of different people and don't mm-hmm. care about who they have sex with um it's usually like portrayed as any difference or just like an incl- inclination to um just being promiscuous i guess mm-hmm. um and not just like i like girls or something you know so, but I mean, this, this applies to, you know, straight characters as well, you know, um, it's very hard to find media that isn't, you know, full of just this push to have their characters be sexually active, usually for the male games. Unfortunately, a lot of characters able to escape the pressure of like having just like pressure for writers to put them in a romantic or sexual relationship are like robots. Um, or like superhuman characters, um, again, giving that really unfortunate stereotype that like to be asexual, you have to have like missing something Hmm. or be non-human. Um, and even then they don't always have to stay that way. Like I don't, I, I haven't seen a lot of Star Trek data from Star Trek comes to mind. And I've known a lot of asexual people who really vibe with data, (laughs) but I think there are episodes where they like, you know, like alternate universe style episodes or episodes where he's able to like get like more human traits or whatever where they immediately try to like you know force that romantic or sexual inclination onto him um and that's so common with you know like you know with even just like robot characters and that sort of thing like they'll become human for an episode um or in some you know scenario and immediately are shown to have romantic or sexual attraction um to someone else and that's the problem there is you know this this assumption that being human means being romantically and sexually attracted to people uh, female characters being treated like uh, sexual objects. Um, it's nearly impossible to have female characters that aren't either in like a submissive relationship where they're just kind of like the love interest mm. or, you know, they are the they are the main character, but their whole role is just falling into a submissive relationship. Or they have like that girl boss aspect where they're <laughs> super sexually active and liberated and free and it's just like and they act in ways that real people normally don't act. I cannot think of a single character, female character in media that you could even look at and be like, oh, this character could be asexual or something. I can't think of one, and Mm. that's really disturbing. Maybe Velma from (laughs) Scooby-Doo? But in the live-action ones, they make her have a boyfriend and stuff, so... (laughs) Yeah, they did that in later seasons, too. I think that, like, the writers of the current... Not to go, like, all deep on... (laughs) But um, I think that the writers of the current animated show did, like, confirm that they were writing her as a lesbian. And that, like... And that um, they put her in... They they put her with boyfriends in the previous seasons, but, like, she was really not into them. Right. And it was meant to be shown as, like, uh, compulsive heterosexuality. Yeah, I think they gave her a girlfriend or something like that. Like, they they, they gave her a lesbian part, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, there have been countless examples of her 
like being in weird uh compulsive heterosexual situations mm -hmm. um throughout the span of the franchise anyway i'm done curious <laughs> <laughs> but like what what we can take away from this is like not being able to think of a single character mm. is that there's no knowledge there's no understanding of what it is to be asexual and i myself am not asexual either that's whatever i do my best to be informed and mm -hmm. to be an ally to identities i don't hold as we've said right. and established throughout <laughs> this whole thing and so from what i do understand is that asexuality is a spectrum just as everything else is in the lgbtq plus community mm -hmm. um there's a spectrum of sexual and romantic attraction that's why you have aromantic asexual then those identities itself like that is also such a wide variety and so not having the public or like having media creators be informed mm. of those things is really dangerous and harmful because we don't have an accurate representation or understanding of what it means to be asexual we don't have very accurate like gay lesbian bi pan trans characters mm. and then having almost nothing on asexual like that is so isolating and alienating to that part of the community and it feels unfair and so we sit here and we recognize the problems of our identities and how they're displayed and then we also have to realize that there are parts of our communities that don't even get a chance to shine through and if they are they're like what adrian said um where they're robots or they're aliens or they're something that is not human quote unquote mm -hmm. um and it's just it's so frustrating because every person deserves to have an accurate representation of themselves no matter who they are or where they fall on a certain spectrum um, I think I might have misspoken as well because um, I think I said like kind of connected asexuality with um, a romanticism. I apologize because I that was my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I understood what you meant. The big kahuna. Thank you very much both for joining me, and I'm very excited to meet with you both again for our next podcast sometime soon. I don't know when. Um, <laughs> but I guess um, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? And then of course plug your social media and everything so people can follow you <laughs> no uh thank you so much for having us it was really great to talk about this um you can follow me on instagram at julia halverson julia dot halverson i don't even know my own instagram <laughs> um or twitter which is at julia halverson three because apparently there's already two julia halversons oh. um, <laughs> um I guess I'll actually just put one little plug for not specifically me before I before we go. If you are a um, a queer person listening to this or something, and um, you're disappointed with like representation in Marvel movies or uh, you know whatever uh, is in the mainstream, I don't really follow. Um, find small queer creators and support their content. Mm. Like, I hope I don't get sued for this, but like, <laughs> I feel like people will just, you know, be like, oh, I hate the representation in Disney movies. And then go keep giving Disney money by like paying for Disney Plus and watching all these, you know, Marvel movies that mm -hmm. don't have any good representation. Instead of like spending money to go to the theater and watch those movies with your friends, like go online, find a webcomic, find, um, you know, whatever um, that actually suits your interests and donate to whoever is, you know, writing that webcomic or publishing that story. Support small independent creators. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, um, my uh, Instagram is Quack House uh, with a W instead of a U. That's <laughs> Q W A C K H O U S E. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and what is the social media for Spectrum? Just so Spectrum can be out there. <laughs> um, we are our CMU Spectrum um, on Instagram, Twitter. Is Facebook also CMU Spectrum? I think our Facebook is Spectrum of CMU. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, Instagram and Twitter is CMU Spectrum, and then we also have a Snapchat, which is uh, also Spectrum of CMU. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So those are our handles for our SO. Well, thank yes. you. We do have our regular meetings on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. via WebEx. Um, you can find the link to that on our socials. So yeah, go follow us, um, and we'll definitely post updates for what our actual meeting topics plan to be. Um, on our socials. So. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I thought this was very informative to me, and I hope other people get information out of this too. So just thank you very much. <laughs>